Thank you for listening to this week's message from New Day Community Church in Vandalia. We hope this message encourages and blesses you. Look us up and contact us at newdaycommunity.org. Topic we talked about last month, sexuality. Uh, it's an issue that affects everyone. I think it was Jill was here last week, wasn't it? And talking on uh, on how to be rich, and I, I heard some of the some of what she spoke, and it was. Interesting how similar it was to some of the things I'm going to share this morning. <clears throat> because I'm talking about wealth and godliness. And I want to look at, really going to zero in on one particular uh, scripture, but just a few quotes from different time periods. Martin Luther. How many know Martin Luther, right? The reformer, not Martin Luther Jr. Uh, not Martin Luther King, <clears throat> but Martin Luther. Lived in the 1500s. And he said, founder of the Lutheran Church, by the way, He said, there are three conversions a person needs to experience. The conversion of the head, you know, when you hear the message and you agree, you believe, right? And then the conversion of the heart, which brings transformation of your life. And then the conversion of the pocketbook. You know, because there's there's a connection there. Even way back in the 1500s, that connection was pretty well understood. Greg Laurie, how many know, have you ever heard Greg Laurie? Uh, a powerful uh, minister. He's based in California, and he does a lot of radio. I've heard him on the radio. Uh, he has a giant church out there. But I came across some stuff that he teaches concerning finances. First of all, I, I don't like talking about money. I don't preach on money very often. <coughs> uh, uh, I, I, I like money. Uh, <laughs> I like, actually, I don't like money. But to be honest with you, I don't like money. I, it's, I find it kind of frustrating. <laughs> Maybe if I had some of it, I'd like it. <laughs> it's just a deal. All right. Um, so, uh, but this guy got some truths. And so uh, he says this, money is the main subject of nearly half of the parables Jesus told. One in seven verses in the New Testament deals with this topic. One in seven. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, fewer than 500 verses that refer specifically to faith, but over 2,000 verses that refer to money. It's huge. 15% of everything Jesus ever taught was on the topic of money and possessions. So, I don't like talking about money, but apparently Jesus didn't have a problem. You know, this would be like if I preached every six weeks a message on money, then I would be more like Jesus. That's why I tell people, if Jesus was a pastor, you probably wouldn't go to his church. He always just talks about money. You know? <laughs> why such an emphasis on money and possessions? There's a fundamental connection. This again, Greg Laurie's uh, stuff. There's a fundamental connection between our spiritual lives and how we think and handle money. There really is a connection. And how we handle money affects us spiritually and where we are spiritually affects how we handle uh, money and wealth, how we think about it and how we handle it. So this little chart here is a depiction of all of the people that live on planet Earth today. There's actually over 6 billion, somewhere between 6 and 7 billion. It's a lot of people. <clears throat> and it breaks them up into how much money they make, or how much money they live on. All right? And so we're going to start on the top, that little red dot. So this is 6... Uh, over 6 billion people on planet Earth, and the little top dot is, that top point is 300 million. That's a third of a billion, okay? Under a third of a billion, 
300 million, 300 million happens to be almost the population of the United States. United States is about 350 million. So out of the whole world, 300 million people make up this, the peak, the 1% as some people call it. And those are all the people that live on $20,000 or more a year. So worldwide, compared to everybody that's alive today, if you make $20,000, if you live on $20,000 or more, you're in that little part right here. And you're on top of everybody else in the world. Kind of changes our perspective, doesn't it? It really does. Uh, the next almost 2 billion people live on less than 20,000 down to 1,500 a year. Not a week, not a month, but a year. Almost 2 billion people in the world that live on that uh, uh, amount of money. And then the next is a billion people live on between 730 and $1,500. 2 billion people live on 360 from a dollar a day to $2 a day. Three, 2 billion people. 2 billion. That's the, uh, and then a whole billion of people live on less, less than a dollar a day. Now a lot of people think, well, Things don't cost as much in those countries. Right? I've been to some of those countries. In some countries, they don't cost as much. But some countries, uh, staples like food and bread actually cost more than they do in our country. All right? And certainly more if you consider it as a, as a percentage of the income. <clears throat> and so, even a poor person in America compared to everyone in the world, we're wealthy. Okay? If you have access to drinkable water, you are one of the wealthiest people in the world. And everybody in America has access to drinkable water. All right? um, really, it makes us one of the wealthiest. But it's hard to see that. Um, I, I, the reason I, 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 I think people need to understand this is because when we stand before Jesus, and each and every one of us will stand before Jesus, in the resurrection. And, uh, you know, we'll have to give account, the Bible says, for what we did in our, in our lifetime. It doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that this gets us in or out of heaven. That's settled by the cross. But the Bible says something about there's rewards in heaven. Alright? And so our eternal state is going to be somehow affected by how we live our lives today. <clears throat> and so if you spend your entire life complaining about how poor you are, and complaining about how much money you don't have, how hard it is to pay the water bill, or you know, complaining about this, complaining about that, and then you show up in you know before Jesus, and He's going to say, "What about all this complaining about money? Well, you never provided. We had this struggle. We could hardly afford." <clears throat> and then He opens your eyes and lets you see how wealthy you were. And see, there's just a lack of gratitude there that reveals something about our character. And so it's really important to know this. But I want to balance this out because this next picture is a little harder to see. <clears throat> we don't see this unless you travel. I encourage you to travel to a third world country where you can see someone dying of starvation uh, and be powerless to help them. Uh, it changes your life. But this is what we see. 
This is the uh, median income of, of, of this county, about $44,000, pretty much all southwest Michigan, right around forty-two dollars to $44,000. Uh, in other words, that's how, that's if you take, uh, if you make that much, there's, there's, you're, you're kind of average. <clears throat> there's as many people make more, uh, than you and as many people that make less than you. And so, and that's, this, if, and so this is how much most people make average, let's just call it average, the mean income in Cass County, um, compared to everybody in the United States. Okay? And so this chart shows these people way up here are the, the, the one percent in America. And so they're making four hundred thousand a year or more. And down here they're making nothing. <laughs> Alright. And so if you're making forty four thousand, you're actually in the bottom forty three percent. So you're not even halfway. Alright. And human nature is is we look at all of the people above us. Right? And so it, it, yeah. It, it, you just well, it's just human nature. It's like you're driving down and you go, Boy, I wish I had a house like that. You know, because you might your house is not quite or maybe you live in an apartment or uh, you know, and you wish you had you could have a real house with a yard or or you got a broken down car and you just wish you had a new car. And so we're always looking, you look at the people ahead, and so this is why we feel poor. Uh because we're in the, we're in a such a wealthy nation. Alright? Uh but the reality is we're really the wealthiest. And it's and it's good to keep an understanding of this so that um uh, we have a better view of what wealth is and and where we fit in the picture of wealth. <clears throat> Moses said in 1300 B.C., which is a really long time ago, he said, Beware, at least you say in your heart, My power and the might of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember the Lord your God, for it is He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that he swore to your fathers as it is this day. And so this is the verse that I'm preaching on. This is the one verse I want you to get and remember. And there's a promise here. It says that God gives us the power to get wealth. Alright? And whether, believe it or not, <clears throat> I am actually a prosperity preacher. Okay? Just not your typical prosperity preacher. Because I believe this. Alright? I really, really believe this. That God is the God who gives us the power to get wealth. And we need to believe that. And I'm going to just unpack this scripture a little bit. But the, the reason it's so important that we understand this verse in the context that it was said. Because I'm a prosperity preacher that, preacher that actually believes what the Bible says about wealth. The whole context of what the Bible says about wealth. So here we have this powerful verse that says God wants to give us the power to get wealth. Well, what did it mean when Moses said it? Now, <clears throat> Moses was speaking to the Israelites just before they entered into the promised land. And the book of Deuteronomy is the retelling of the law. It's the second law. It's the second telling of the law. And so it's actually a recording of sermons uh, uh, some people think it's one sermon. Some people uh, believe it's probably more likely a compilation of several times Moses stood up before the congregation knowing he was about to die and saying, guys, this is what's happened. This is who you are and you're about to go in. 
And so he's speaking uh, to the congregation. We get to hear Moses talk. And this is what he said. But I want you to hear the whole, at least, portion of the sermon that this is taken out of. And so we're going to read, I'm going to read the whole, a whole chapter. I don't normally do a whole chapter on Sunday. But I'm going to read a whole chapter, and I'm going to read a whole chapter from the Old Testament. <clears throat> All right, so I ask you to please try to follow along. Uh, and I get the words up here on the screen. It's Deuteronomy chapter 8. So the whole commandment that I command uh, you today, and so this is, eight, this is chapter 8. So for seven chapters, he's been talking about the commandments that he gave, that, that they received from the Lord, the Ten Commandments, but also the whole of the commandments. You know, the rest of the commandments given um, uh, uh, apply and explain the principles of the Ten Commandments. So Leviticus and all the other commandments giving, he's kind of restating all of it and saying all of those commandments that I command you today, you shall be careful to do that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land that the Lord swore to give your fathers. And you shall remember the whole way that the Lord your God has led you these 40 years in the wilderness that He might humble you and test you. And so before the promise of prosperity Remember, he talks about wilderness. He talks about humility. He talks about testing. You to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments or not. And he humbled you and let you hunger. So part of the promise of prosperity is, you know what, there's going to be times of hunger. But he fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might um, make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Your clothing did not wear out and your foot did not swell these 40 years. Know then in your heart that as a man disciplines his son, the Lord your God disciplines you. So you shall keep the commandment of the Lord your God by walking in His ways, by fearing Him. For the Lord, uh, uh, for the Lord your God is bringing you into a good land a land of brooks of water, fountains and springs, flowing out of the valleys and hills, a land of wheat and barley, of vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of olive trees and honeys. He's just describing this picture of this amazing land. Now, they'd been wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. So this is like enticing them. A land of olive trees and honey, a land in which you will eat bread without scarcity in which you will lack nothing, a land whose stones are iron and out of whose hills you can dig copper. And you shall eat and be full. And you shall bless the Lord your God for the land that He has given you. Take care, lest you forget the Lord by your God by not keeping His commandments and the rules and His statutes which I command you today. Least when you have eaten and are full, and have built good houses and live in them. And when your herds and flocks multiply, and your silver and gold is multiplied, and all that you have is multiplied, so that you're in that little red triangle on the top of the big triangle that represents the wealthiest people in the world. Take care. <clears throat> then your heart uh, be lifted up and you forget the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, who led you through the great and terrifying wilderness with its fiery serpents and scorpions and thirsty ground where there was no water, who brought you 
uh, water out of the flinty rock, who fed you in the wilderness with manna that your fathers did not know, that He might humble you and test you to do you good in the end. See, this is important, that through the testing through the wilderness, God's intention was always to do them good. You need to understand that. When we're going through hard times, the intention, God's purpose, is to do us good. And then He concludes this section with, Beware, lest you say in your heart, My power and my in- of my hand have gotten me this wealth. You shall remember it's the Lord your God, for it's He who gives you the power to get wealth, that He may confirm His covenant that He swore to His Father as it is this day. All right, and so that kind of concludes this 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 whole story that they had gone through all of the wilderness, and that was a promise made not just to them, but their forefathers centuries and centuries, many centuries earlier that God was actually actually acting on. And when Moses was speaking to God's people way back in 1300 B.C., um, uh, and he said, as it is today, that truth still applies, okay? Because now we're God's people, God does not change. His character is the same. And so we can receive this promise as it is today. I'm going to, I'll get that in a little bit. But they were hearing this. <clears throat> I hope you understand that all of that description it just sounds like, wow, what are you talking about? But for the people who heard them, they were coming out of 400 years of slavery. The life that they had known and their parents, and their grandparents, and their great-grandparents, as far back as they could remember, was just slavery. So this promise of prosperity came after 400 years of slavery, and then after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Alright? They'd been through some tough times, hadn't they? God thinks generationally. We think instantaneously. Right? Oh, God wants to give me power and wealth. Uh, it's got to happen today, you know. How about next week? Okay, I'll wait a month. Well, maybe maybe He's doing something in your life so the next generation can have... He is doing something. He wants to do something in your life so that, that, so that you can influence the next generation and the next generation. All right? And we need to tune in to God. That doesn't mean He doesn't, he doesn't want to bless us, but He does want to bless us. He wants to position us so that we can be a blessing. <clears throat> and the question is, where are you in the story? So, you know, some people are, if, it, <clears throat> if you're in slavery, alright, just getting free is, is that blessing. Alright? Right? If you're a slave, if you're given freedom, wow, that's prosperity. If you're making a dollar a day, and somehow you find a way to make two dollars a day, you are wealthy. You just doubled your income. Right? <clears throat> or maybe you're in the wilderness, just getting, okay, you don't have a, a safe place to live. Finding a safe place to live uh, is, a trans, is, is an amazing transformation. It's God fulfilling His promise. The main point is that God's intention is to bring everyone to a place where they can prosper and empower them to do it. That's His promise. He's going to bring you a place where you can prosper and where you have the power to do that. And I want to, I just want to zoom in, take a couple of minutes <clears throat> to zoom into three parts of this statement. He gives us power to get well, to confirm his covenant. Power means strength, might, vigor, force. 
capacity or means. Okay, so God gives powers, contrasted with the idea that it's my own power. All right, so the real issue is pride versus being humble and being grateful. Right, realizing, hey, listen, we live in America, and most of what we have has nothing to do with what you've done. All right. You know, I drove down here this morning on roads. I don't know who built those roads. I've been in countries where there are no roads. There's a path people drive down. <laughs> I wouldn't call it a road. <laughs> I was in this one country. I was like, if this was in America, they would rip this road out and just start over again. And that guy was like, this is one of the best highways in all of Ukraine. <laughs> For four hours. Like, wow. <laughs> There's a big difference between giving wealth and giving the power to get wealth. Scripture doesn't say God's going to give you wealth. Scripture says, and this is, this is actually, this is what I want you to get. He wants to give you the power to get wealth. Because if He just gave you wealth, it can run out. But He gives you the power to produce wealth. In, it. in one sense, it's, it can't run out. But it puts the responsibility on you. Why? Because he wants to develop you as a person. Alright? <clears throat> he gives you the power to get wealth. <clears throat> get wealth means to produce, to acquire, to accomplish, combined with the idea of strength, efficiency. Uh, it can actually refer to an army, like gathering an army. But it also refers to things like virtue and valor. So a couple of translations actually can be translated to become rich. gives you the power to become rich. gives you the power to produce wealth. That's what I like. To make wealth or to be successful. Each person's definition of wealth is different depending on where you are in the story. And so we know the story of the Israelites because we can read it. But that story is actually for our instruction. Because some people are in slavery right now. Even in America. You can be enslaved to all kinds of things. Lies, uh, depression, uh, alcohol, drugs, whatever, gambling. You can be enslaved. Alright? <clears throat> or you can be in the wilderness. You set free, you have some level of freedom, but you're in, there's nothing. There's no permanence. Uh, and you're just wandering. Or you can be at the border of the promised land, and you're looking in, but you're not there yet. You're almost, but are you gonna get discouraged? Or you might be in the promised land. You might, uh, you might be like some of these young couples I look at and go, I wish I was there, you know. Gosh, they have so much more than I had. And they're, you know, young and healthy bodies and they have so much to look forward to, you know. Um, but are they gonna, are they gonna stay faithful? Are they gonna press through? There might be, you know, where are you in the story it depends on your definition of wealth. And, and the idea is that, it, God's view of wealth is the power to produce, not the capacity to consume. In our world, we see wealth as how much can I consume? All right? And so a wealthy person can, can, you know, have, has the biggest house and has the nicest car. Listen, cars, I actually have four cars. All right? Thank God they're all paid for. One was given to me. Thank you very much. Uh, they're all older cars. All right? Um, uh, like I said, they're all paid for. None of those cars produce anything. 
except poisonous gas. <laughs> right? Cars don't produce. They consume. What about a house? You know what my house produces? Trash. Every week, there's this big, giant Herbie Kirby that we take out. And where does all this trash come from? My goodness. It doesn't produce anything else. It consumes. Every time you pay your power bill, you're consuming, consuming. So bigger house isn't wealth. It's more consumption. Wealth is the power to produce. And so we need to change how we think. You know, what are we producing? God wants us to give us a, the power to multiply, to increase. It may not be uh, 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 tangible stuff, you know. It can be intangible stuff. I produce, I produce character in people. I produce leaders. I produce, you know, uh, people. Those are the kind of things that, that I've committed my life to produce. And finally, it's to confirm his covenant. In other words, it's not so much about me. Just like it wasn't about the Israelites that were going into the promised land, they were getting it because God made a promise to Abraham that lived, they had never met Abraham. But God was staying true to his covenant. He was being faithful today to his promise. He stands by the terms of the covenant he made. Uh, and so when we come into, when we accept the truth, that God gives us the power to make wealth, we realize that God is keeping the promise He made to our forefathers in the faith. Alright? And if you're a follower of Christ, you're actually um, Abraham's offspring. You're an heir according to the promise, as Paul explains in Galatians. So as Christians... We actually get in on, according to the scripture, that promise, the same promise that was, that Moses was repeating to the children of Abraham, and that promise is to produce wealth. God want, you need to believe that, you know? You need to believe that God wants you to produce something that will affect generations. You need to accept that. That's just part of God's character. If you don't believe it, you won't act on it. And you won't see that fruit. And we are, we inherit God's, uh, the same inheritance as Abraham and even Christ. We're co-heirs with Christ. I want to get to this next slide. So the response is, where am I in the story? And it's just acknowledging. Maybe you're still in slavery. Are you in covenant relationship with God? And so if you're enslaved to sin, you know what? You're not going to be able to have the power to produce wealth. You need to come into covenant relationship with God. You need to, Get to the point where you say, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth uh, that uh, uh, God raised Jesus from the dead, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and God rose Him from the dead uh, and confess Him as Lord. He's in charge of your life. You need to enter into covenant relationship because this is only, this applies, this is the, the inheritance. You have to be a child of God to get an inheritance, you know. So the inheritance is. And this is how you come into that relationship. And then you need to keep the, the terms of that covenant. That's what Moses was encouraging the Israelites. Keep the commands. Live according to God's character. Uh, and then you need to ask yourself, if you're in that place where you are a Christian, how are you defining wealth? Is it just how much you can consume? And take time. Pray about it. Ask God. 
help me change my view. Um, and then look around. Say, what has God given you the power to reproduce? And then start reproducing it. Uh, and God wants to make you, uh, God wants to impart that power for you to get wealth. Let's just close in prayer. Can we? Father, I thank you for everyone here. I thank you for the powerful testimonies that we, we heard from the, the celebration of, of the Lamb Conference. Uh, Father, I thank you for the word concerning the power to get well. I pray that everyone here would prosper and would, would increase and would experience just uh, a prosperity of soul, of spirit, and of body. I bless everyone's spirit. I pray that their spirits would come alive and come to the forefront uh, in their life and lead their soul and their, their mind and their body into unity and alignment with your Holy Spirit. Father, I pray for freedom uh, from fear, uh, from pain. And I pray blessing on everyone here in Jesus' name. And so did the, did the ushers bring me a basket of connection cards?